Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host, Rodney Depodzabriski. Rod, what is up, man? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. I almost thought you were going to leave the hey, hey out, but you got it. Nailed just it. Just barely. Just barely. <laughs> hey, I'm excited, Rod, because uh, after this podcast, after we record this, I'm going to be taken off to the wonderful city of San Francisco, which, by the way, I thought was warm, but it's not. Uh, anyway, mm. we're going to be headed to San Francisco yeah. uh, for my kind of one year anniversary, just a little getaway weekend. Nice. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it should be fun. Should yeah. be fun. What about you? What do you got going on? Oh, man, we're uh, we've got a huge uh, yard project going on. Yeah, I probably told you about this. So a year ago, <laughs> right. we put in a new fence and that just like threw everything into disarray. Because we have to like replan our whole yard, and that's what we're doing. So, it's, okay. Uh, so, are you guys normal. doing most of the work? Why don't Why don't you just hire it out, Rod? Well, we did have the the fence install. We had someone else do because that's okay. like. But you guys are going to do what like I some do. of like the, the yeah, landscape so type that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. So we tore out all the lawn from our our park strip and and kind of replaced it with more like plants and bridges and like more like pleasing okay. type of stuff yeah and and then now we're, we're working on a, a big garden uh, not not a big garden so we took out our garden but we put a big garden box like four by 24 feet okay. um to it's it's a smaller footprint to be more efficient but we'll be able to grow about the same amount of stuff as we were before all so. right well you guys do have all sorts of stuff going on can i just tell you rod i exclusively hire those things out yeah um but growing up my mom was very much a yard person we had a beautiful yard i had to mow twice a week like from the time i was like eight till the time i was 18 so that doesn't anyway. surprise me yeah your yeah. mom was meticulous yeah she was quite meticulous and and her yard was just so beautiful anyway yeah. so i do have a soft spot in my heart for good yards i just at this stage i'm just like to be honest, I'm too lazy to like get out there and <laughs> do the grind. Okay, but that's, again, this isn't why people are listening to us. Today, Rod, we're going to talk about a little-known concept that can be used in you know various niche situations. We thought yeah. it'd be helpful to bring, bring to the table. So um, the concept or the, the strategy is called using a MEC. So what is a MEC? A MEC is an acronym, stands for Modified Endowment Contract. And anybody that has heard really anybody talk about this usually it is very bad right no yeah red lights alarms stop signs yep. all of those don't, things don't go you hear that word it's just like avoid it no these people don't know what they're doing and can i just tell you there's some truth to it absolutely if if you're trying to use the policy for the investment optimizer or for a pre you know for premium financing the other strategies that we often use will it definitely doesn't make sense to do in those situations Absolutely. and very quickly blows it up entirely. However, however, Rod, there are situations when we're going to get into this, there are situations where it might actually make sense and be more advantageous to use a mech than to not. And we you want know, to hit on that. When, whenever we, the, the concepts comes up, 
I'm just always really careful when I introduce it and I'll call it an intentional mech because okay, I like it in the other world. You wouldn't mean to create a mech. It would have, it would just happen accidentally or, or because someone just didn't know what they were doing. Whereas in this case, we're approaching it and saying, hey, there are benefits to it and we are intentionally doing this. Yeah. And that is a really great point. Um, it's funny from an insurance company standpoint, it's not just a, like a, like a stop sign for the, for like agents and for, mm-hmm. for customers or p- potential policyholders. Even the insurance company is like, uh, did you mean to do this? Right. right? Send you so a they have to, they have yep. to, you have to know what you're doing. Okay. So we're making it sound like, whoa, this is really, really bad. The truth is, is it's not bad. It can actually be um, really powerful in the right situations. And so yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of review. I don't want to get too much into review. This isn't this isn't going to be an episode where we rehash everything around the investment optimizer. Mm-hmm. We'll review some of the basics of how life insurance works, specifically how it's taxed. And that way we can better understand this MET concept when it can come into play and when it doesn't. So at the starting point, Rod, there's a couple things that I think people need to know. And then I'm going to ask you to kind of talk about what the typical structure of life insurance looks like. Yeah. Okay. Before I do that, I think it's important for people to know that life insurance is customizable. And oftentimes we don't think about insurance as being all that customizable because it's like insurance company offers coverage and it's just simple, straightforward. Well, particularly when you get into permanent life insurance or like cash value life insurance, there's many other elements and and now the way that the agent and advisor work on it uh, the knowledge the expertise that they have suddenly comes into play yep. it's not as simple and straightforward right absolutely so so um we can actually have a really big impact on the way a policy is structured so we talk about this when we get into the investment optimizer we're talking about building a policy that's that's maximized for cash minimize for death benefit and minimizing costs. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that concept happens because life insurance, the companies allow a fair level of customization. Okay. Mm -hmm. That said, now I want to review because we're going to throw out what we've normally talked about it. We're going to flip it on its head and we're going to understand kind of both sides of the mech conversation. So to start us off, Rod, Talk about the typical structure of life insurance and why it's so important to use in the in our kind of core strategies, the investment optimizer, capital avalanche, retirement accelerator. Absolutely. One of the huge benefits that we talk about as it relates to these strategies is tax-free, access tax-free income, right? So on the investment optimizer side, because we're using that in conjunction with our investments and w- when we're accessing those funds, we're accessing them and we don't have to worry about the tax. In other words, we put money in there. It's growing. We don't get a 1099 at the end of each year. We call that tax deferred growth, right? When we do access it, loaning against it for our investing, obviously loans aren't taxed. So that, that works out even later when I'm going to turn that into a source of income during my retirement years, that comes out tax-free as well because of a specific uh, benefit that IRS, you know, gives life insurance, which is the acronym is FIFO first in first out. So that for the dollars I first put in, I can take out before I have to touch any of the growth. And because all that money that I put in was already taxed, I'm taking it back out. It's already been taxed. They're not going to tax me again as I take it out. Right. And 
that combined with loans allows me to just take all that money back out in, in terms of income in, in retirement tax-free. And then obviously the same thing with the capital avalanche. That one obviously is very much built toward creating income in retirement. All that comes out income tax-free. And even death benefit on the back end, when that pays out, that all comes out income tax-free as well. So a huge tax benefit to this going back to your earlier point, as long as it's structured correctly and accessed correctly. Okay. So, so it, I think it's super important for people to understand this concept of FIFO, right? Again, first in first out money goes in that same money, which has not, doesn't have growth on it. Right. So the reason that first in first out is important is because when I put in and let's just kind of play this out, let's say that I put in a hundred thousand dollars, right. And then the, my policy grows to $130,000. If it was last in first out, which by the way, we're going to talk about mm -hmm. why that can be valuable too. But in a last in first out situation, I would have to take the money that's taxable first, yep, right? So that money that's the growth in it has to come out first. Well, the advantage of FIFO and part of the reason that in, in our kind of core strategies, we generally move away from MEX is because of that reason. We get to bring that money out um, and and by doing it, it can be just more efficient. Now, when we're talking about the investment optimizer, we're primarily using loans. But if we get into phase two or we get into any of our premium finance designs that are based on creating income, like you said, that, that uh, adjustment in the way that the tax works or that FIFO ends up being really, really valuable. Now we're going to move into when it can make sense to go the other direction. Okay, keep yeah. going, Rod. Okay. So with when when we're creating it in this traditional structure with investment optimizer and capital avalanche, we end up funding the policy over a number of years. And we often talk mm -hmm. about we have the funding range, there's a lot of flexibility with that. I could be done funding it in as little as three or four years in most cases, or I can continue funding it as long as I want. So it's just a ton of flexibility with it. But there is that initial kind of requirement of planning to fund it for at least again, three or four years. Yeah. When we get to the mech, we'll talk about how it's very different. I can have a one-time lump sum and then be done. Well, let's just talk about it for a second, Rod, because the more I think about it, like this is a critical point. It's, it's not even that I can be done. Most companies will make you be done. It's a great point. Yep. Right. So like it's a, it is meant to be a single premium concept. Yeah. Again, and again, we're going to get into like the the situations and reasons why it would work, but it's meant to be one time premium payment, and then the policy will run from there on out. We'll talk about why in just a couple minutes. Yeah, it may seem like a weird concept, but inside of an individual insurance company that deals with say whole life, um, they may have several different whole life products that they offer. So it's like you know Chevy offering several different sedan types of sedans that you can buy. Because depending on what you're specifically looking for, you get different features. And so one of those in, in certain cases with certain some of the companies is this kind of single premium concept. Kara, talk about the growth and just the, you know, what, what's the same, what's different? Yeah. So when we move to this area where we're saying, hey, yeah, we want to do an intentional mech. Once we make that decision, then we're going to blow past the kind of the, we talk about the funding range because, you know, I, I have to put in a certain amount to cover the premium, but then I can put extra in to overfund it. 
in this case, when we say Mac, intentional Mac, yeah, uh, then we're pushing the cost down so low, it may only be like you know a thousand dollar a year, quote unquote, premium on the policy, but I'm putting in five hundred thousand or a million dollars in a single lump sum, and uh, again, once I've decided to make it a Mac, it let, let's it's let's that. take it to the limit, which and by doing that the costs are so small that it just makes the growth all the much better. So in other words, if the company's paying out five and a half percent with the guaranteed interest and the dividend on their whole life, then my net return on that is going to be very, just, just, just a little bit it. below that. Yeah. yeah it's going to be like that. most of the interest and dividend that the insurance company's putting out. There. And the other thing that happens because of that in our traditional design, we often talk about, we hit our break-even point or, or the point where I have as much of my cash value as what I've put in, usually somewhere around that five or six-year mark. With these single premium uh, MEC options, by year two, you have more, more in your cash value than what you put in. So it happens really yeah. quickly. So it is totally different. It's designed totally different. So so now we've... Have we talked about the tax on it yet? We did, right? A little so, bit. Okay, we're actually I'm going to hold off and we'll get back into that. Okay. Go to go to the next part, Rod. You're going to talk a little bit about access. Yeah. So again, the the whole reason why uh this whole concept of mech is such a big, you know, red flag type of, you know, red alert situation um is because of the difference on the taxes, right? And so we hit that hit on that a little bit earlier, but it's all about well, let's talk about the four phases of a life insurance life cycle, right? So phase one is funding. And in both cases, whether it's a MEC or a non-MEC, the money going in is after tax. Okay. No difference between MEC and non-MEC. The second no, we're phase, still not using and, and we're not using qualified money either way. Correct. Yep, that's right. Non-qualified either way. So the second one is the growth. So now the money in there, now it's growing. In both cases it grows tax deferred. Like I mentioned mm. earlier, that just means as I'm experiencing that growth, I don't get a 1099 at the end of each year to say, hey, you have to you know, pay your ta the tax on this. It's tax deferred in that sense, okay? Again, both MEC and non-MEC, that's the same. It's the third phase that becomes different. When I start to access that money and I'm taking it out, with the non-MEC, I can access it tax-free for reasons I mentioned a minute ago, the FIFO and the loans. Whereas with a MEC, when I start taking money out, now the growth part of it is taxed. In other words, it's not FIFO anymore. It's LIFO, so last in, first out. I have to take the growth first before I tap into any of the my basis or the money I put in, and that is going to be taxed. And So then someone might say, well, what about a loan? Can I just loan against it? And the answer is if you take a traditional loan with the insurance company on a MEC, it's treated the same as if it was a withdrawal. You'll get taxed on it at the end of the year. So that's that third phase is where the difference is. And then there's the fourth phase where I die and the death benefit gets paid out. Well, what's interesting is that death benefit pays out income tax free both ways, whether it's a MEC or a non-MEC death benefit is income tax free. So when we talk through the four phases, funding, growth, access, and death benefit, really there's only one piece that's different. And that's the piece where I, when I'm accessing the funds, 
growth is taxable on the mech, whereas it's not taxable on the non-mech. At this point, they're probably thinking, why would I ever want it to be a mech? Yes, that's, because that's, of the traditional more... way that we talk about things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the different in taxation, the difference in taxation, but the traditional way that we do it is more advan- advantageous from a tax standpoint. Absolutely. At, at least we believe so, right? Yeah. Having the opportunity to create something that's tax-free is more impactful than tax-deferred, which then comes out and is taxable. Yeah, a major benefit. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so it's a trade-off. So the question, Rod, the question yeah. is going to be, well, does it have a place? Does it make sense? Why? What are the advantages of that? And that's what we're going to go through next. Okay. Yep. So we have a couple of... Actually, Rod, I want to do something really quick, just because I want to make sure there's a lot of clarity around this. Okay. So let's just back up for a second and make sure one more time that people are understanding the tax ramification, what this is going to look like. I am going to put money in a single premium, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing's happening one time. I put money in. It grows tax deferred, just like an IRA or a 401k or whatever else. Mm -hmm. When I pull the money out, it is taxable. Yep. Okay. Now the, the difference is the difference is on the front end. I don't have, I don't get a, a tax deduction from putting the money into it. Right. right? But right. I'm getting the tax deferral benefit. Okay. So I think that that probably gets us where we need to be. So the question then of course, is does it have a place? We have a, we have three examples where we think it can be incredibly advantageous given, you know, again, the right situation. So first of all, Rod, why don't we talk about it as an annuity alternative? And maybe the starting point is just, just cover like the basis of how an annuity works. And then we'll get into the actual advantages of utilizing a mech over an annuity. Yeah, it's okay. And the reason this is our best starting point is that's where the IRS goes to. Because in other words, When they say, oh, hey, this is now a MEC, a modified endowment contract, we are now going to tax it as an annuity. That's basically the the whole concept. So with an annuity, uh, again, we're talking specifically about an annuity with non-qualified dollars, right? Non-IRA, non-401k, after-tax dollars. The money goes in. It grows based on fixed annuity, index annuity. We're not going to get into all the details, but but the, the underlying account, it grows. And then when I take money out, let, let's just use an example. Let's say I put a, you know, 500,000 into the annuity. It's now worth 600,000. I'm going to take out 100,000. Well, that 100,000, because I have to take the growth first, I'm not tapping into any of my underlying basis. That 100,000 I'm taking out is all the growth that I've experienced up to that point. So the full 100,000 is going to be taxed. Exactly. So life insurance is FIFO. Life insurance in its typical fashion, Mm -hmm. first in, first out, money goes in. That's the money we take out. Annuities are taxed on what they call a LIFO, last in, first out. These are the worst acronyms, (laughs) but whatever. Um, LIFO. And then what we've just done is we've basically created this hybrid where we've switched the annuity, which normally had been taxed first and first out. Now we're going to move it to being taxed as last and first out. And then yep. the question is why in the world would anybody want to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, uh, let's go back to what we talked about a minute ago where with this kind of trade-off concept, right? Okay. 
Um, we we're giving up the tax benefit. And like you said, some people might say, well, why would I ever want to do that? Yeah. We're giving up the, the benefit of having like a Roth IRA alternative, right? Correct. So traditionally we think about when, when we're building the investment optimizer, it looks from a tax standpoint, exactly like a Roth IRA. I have, um, after tax money going in, but when I pull the money out, it's tax free. So I'm getting a significant advantage there. And what, there's got to be a reason if I'm going to give that up, yeah. Rod, I have got to know why in the world I would potentially give that up. Okay. So reason number one. Okay. I'm also going to go back to remember how we talked about how you get better growth because the costs are even lower and we break even in year two instead of waiting till year five or six. Mm-hmm. So that's the initial trade-off. I have I can create better growth, but I have to give up the tax benefit. So okay, when, so when now right now we're talking about in in comparison to life insurance in its traditional form. Yes, right. Yep. We're not talking about annuity yet, but we're just saying in comparison to life insurance because we can reduce the cost even more so in a mech, we have the ability to get slightly more growth on the underlying or on the cash value. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. So now okay. comparing it directly to an, an annuity. When I set up an annuity, it always comes with a, what they call it a surrender period. Often it's five, seven, 10 years. What that means is I have access to up to, usually it's 10% of my account value per year. If I were to take more than that, then there's a surrender charge attached to it. And it's higher in the early years. It might be, it's usually around nine or 10% in year one. And then it steps down little by little each year smaller and smaller so that by the end of it, it's a five-year surrender period. When I get to year six, there's no more surrender charges. I can take as much as I want out of it and not have any kind of surrender charges. With an with this kind of mech, there are no surrender charges. Okay, so let's talk about that. Surrender charges are a pain in, a pain in the rump, right? Like mm-hmm. they can be really difficult because things sound really good, but if you have to give up access to your money, that can be conflicting you have to plan and make sure you're in a situation where you wouldn't need access to all of it at at one time right because like you said i have access to 10 percent, but that means i don't have access without penalties to the other 90 percent yeah right so i have to be considerate of that that doesn't mean annuities don't annuities don't have a place they can they can make sense and being be valuable in the right situation as well but what we're suggesting here is that if if i could get the same benefits that the annuity is offering, but now I can get it to come without a surrender charge. Well, which would or a surrender period, meaning that I could just walk away two two years into it and have a little bit more than I than I put mm-hmm. in it. Like that's that's the big trade off or the difference on the annuity side, at least the initial one. Absolutely, it's huge, huge. So so think of it like uh, like getting the benefits of an annuity, but but more liquidity. Exactly. Right? Yep. Okay. okay. So then the next one is that it traditionally and, and in almost all cases, the MEC is going to give you better growth than a fixed annuity. Fixed annuity is just the type where, you, where they say, hey, we're going to give you X you know, interest rate on, on your annuity. And then secondly, with an indexed annuity, it's going to be competitive with it. Right, there are going to be some yeah. indexed annuities that would outperform it. There are going to be some who would underperform compared to what the MEC can give you. Um, but it's going to be kind of in the same ballpark as that. Okay, so so 
this is an interesting conversation right now because we expect we expect interest rates on whole life policies to start moving upward. Mm-hmm. Um, they have started to move upward in on the annuity side of things, right? Yeah. So, like right now, this is kind of a strange thing because they're probably very close, mm-hmm. um, meaning that I probably can get about a, the same type of rate in my annuity that I can get in the MEC, even. However, that will likely not last. So, typically, what we see over long periods of time is that life insurance will outperform fixed rates mm-hmm. like fixed annuities, right? Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about that, I genuinely believe that, um, and based on history, like we've just seen it, it almost certainly over a long period of time will outperform fixed annuity rates. It just Absolutely. does, yep. right? So that that is a massive advantage. And then that means, well, what's the next step? Well, you can you might even look at it and say, okay, well, if I'm comparing it to an indexed annuity, well, maybe I can get, you know, we usually tell people to expect, you know, five to eight percent in based on today's interest rate environment. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I can get, you know, six percent almost as a fixed rate? That might be that might be every bit as advantageous. Yeah, right. Okay, Rod. So now that we've kind of covered uh, how a mech compares to a fixed and indexed annuity, talk a little bit about the next important point or the next annuity alternative advantage. We'll call it. Yeah. So the next one is the death benefit. So with an annuity. Again, wait, gonna... wait, wait. Annuities have death benefits, Rod. It's true. You get exactly what's in your account, or at least your benefits. <laughs> okay, so it's a little different. You're right. But they do call it a death benefit. Yeah. And I would, I mean, there are annuities out there that, that will give you some sort of enhanced death benefit, Yeah. but it's maybe like a 10% or whatever, right? Like there's, yeah, it's pretty much what you have in your account. That's what your beneficiaries get, right? Yep. Yep. Whereas with the MEC, it's life insurance. So you have a larger death benefit than what's what's in your account. Now, it's not because we minimize the cost on the front end. There's not a huge difference. So for example, if it's 500,000 that I put in, the death benefit might be 650 or something as a starting point, right? So, you know, not as extreme of a difference as we're used to seeing in the traditional life insurance world. If I put in 100,000 and I have 1.8 million of death benefit, um, but again, that's an extra of 150,000. If I die the next day, my 500 just passed on to my beneficiaries at 650. Okay, so like you said, Rod, it's not it's not as dramatic as what we're typically used to, but every dollar is a dollar, right? Oh yeah, and absolutely. Hundred fifty thousand dollars more than what I would have otherwise is still um, important. Okay, Rod, there are a there is a caveat. There's maybe a few, but like there's a main caveat that we need to be aware of, right? So we've talked about actually before we get into the caveat, I want to kind of. I want to kind of play this out now. Okay, Rod. So let me do a quick recap here on our annuity alternative. So let's do a comparison and we'll just say we've got the $100,000. It's really simple. $100,000 goes into a Mac. $100,000 goes into an annuity. Mm -hmm. The first thing going in is that, uh, is that I'm not going to be dealing with surrender charges, right? So my Mac is free and clear and liquid. My annuity is not, it is very much encumbered. By that surrender charge. If, if you turned around the next day, one take to so just say, "Hey, send me my money back," they would only send you ninety thousand. Mm, right? No one would be, and you'd uh, be very unhappy about that. Yeah. So yeah, that Mac, that's a huge advantage. If it was the very next day, there was some cost on it, but it was maybe a couple thousand. You get ninety eight thousand of it back. If it's a year later, you have more than the hundred thousand. Whereas again, with the annuity, you might get ninety two thousand back. 
Yeah. Compared to 102,000, right? So. Okay. So now next we have the growth happening on the in the mech. It's happening. Well, let's just say we're talking about whole life insurance. It's coming from the combination of the interest and dividends, mm-hmm. right? And then if we're talking about the annuity side, we're talking about either a fixed interest rate or an indexed uh, or an indexed annuity staying in the fixed world. We're not comparing to like variable annuities and getting into that, right? Right. We're specifically um, talking about in comparison to a fixed annuity or a fixed indexed annuity. Yeah. So in that situation, obviously it's growing based on the the growth of the index, but most people don't realize that like while life insurance companies like to make it sound like there's this incredible growth opportunity in indexed annuities, the fact of the matter is, is it's designed to outperform fixed interest rates, but it's not designed to perform or, or to, to like outpace the market. Right? right. Right. So again, if you go in expecting five or 6%, you're probably going to be more realistic than if you, than if you go in expecting 10 or 12. Yep. Um, but then on the mech side, we're just taking what the guaranteed interest. Do. So the nice thing is rather, I have a little bit more predictability, a little more certainty and a, just a better idea of what's going to happen. And so if I'm someone who likes that, who feels better in that situation, someone who doesn't want maybe to have the uncertainty doesn't like risk, then that can be, you know, a nice advantage. Absolutely. Okay. So next rod, we now have the death benefit side. So, so obviously on the annuity, we just have the death benefit, which is equal to the value of the account. Mm-hmm. Again, if I put the, if I put a hundred thousand dollars into it, it grows to 120. Your death benefit on it is $120,000. Unless of course it has one of the, those enhancements, but that's again, going to be pretty many. Yep. And then on the mech side, we're going to have some additional death benefit above and beyond the actual cash because there's a death benefit attached to it. We've yep. just minimized it, right? We've minimized the cost. We've min- minimized the amount of the death benefit, but it's still um, going to be significantly higher than what you're getting from the other side. Yes. Uh, did I cover everything, Rod? I think or is so. Is there anything else? Okay. Yep. Okay. So now Rod, it sounds like I'm hoping that as people are listening, they're thinking like, well, why wouldn't I just do that all the time? Why would I ever Mm -hmm. do an annuity? Okay. There is a caveat to this. Talk about it. Yeah. So a a couple of things. Number one is that the MEC only works with with non-qualified funds. So if you have money in an IRA, an annuity is, is, can be a great place to put that money. uh, Cause it can just roll right into it. It's keeps its, its IRA package. And now it just exists as an IRA inside of the annuity. You get all the all the benefits that are there. But obviously, uh, if it's non-qualified money, it's already after tax, right? I think we've kind of made really clear on that. If it's after tax dollars, then it can go into the pol- the policy as the MAC. Yep. Okay. So I think it's as an annuity alternative, it's a it's one of those things where it's not a hard and fast rule either direction. Sure. You just want to look at the situation and determine what makes the most sense. If yeah. my focus is more around predictability and liquidity, those types of things, then using a mech would be more advantageous. If it's more strictly focused on um, growth and income, I might consider using an annuity. And it would, again, it would be a comparison point to see which one produces more of what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I have to qualify for the insurance. So if that's an issue, then great point. That's another huge caveat. So if I'm, if I'm 72 years old and I'm not in greatest health, like this mech concept may not be the best one. I, we get creative sometimes and 
used children and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, there is a simplicity. I don't have to qualify for an annuity. And that is important. Uh, okay, Rod, there's a couple other places that we felt like it would be worthwhile mentioning as a useful position to, to potentially use the Mac. The second one is basically for liquid reserves, right? Yeah. Now, oh, there's also one other caveat, Rod, that we haven't hit on very hard. The 59 and a half rule. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a big one. Okay, we've, we talked about it, or we, we have it listed out here, but we haven't really hit on it. And I want to make sure that that's a caveat as well, right? Yeah. Because if we go back to the annuity alternative, well, it's not a, it's not a caveat from an annuity because an annuity has the same 59 and a half rule. Right. But when we get to comparing it with life insurance, life insurance in its traditional form, one of the challenges is, is that we actually lack liquidity. And the reason for that is because once we turn the policy into a mech, it then becomes taxed, like we talked about, last mm-hmm. in, first out, and it's basically t- it's taxed as an annuity. Well, an annuity is taxed uh, in a such a way that you can't take it out before 59 and a half without taking a 10% uh, tax penalty. Right. Yep. So that's brutal, right? So if you're, okay, so if you're 42 years old and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I've got tons of cash, I'd love to just sit it, toss it into the policy, couple million dollars and just let it grow at five or six percent while it's sitting there liquid that would be amazing except that you can't touch it until 59 and a half without that tax penalty so it's probably not valid there however it could be valid if you're 56 years old and you're not going to need the money for a few years and um, you're going to start taking it post 59 and a half or of course if you're older than 59 and a half then it's a non-issue absolutely but that's a big one okay um, so, but, but the point here is the point that we wanted to make here is not just about the 59 and a half rule, but also that the concept mech concept can be used very well in conjunct or as a replacement for liquid reserves. Right. Yeah. Right? We've met up with a lot of people who, and it does tend to be older folks, people in their sixties and seventies mm-hmm. who have a large amount of money sitting in their checking account, savings account. Or CDs, they they're like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna really earn a lot on this. I'm gonna well, you know, two years ago it was I'm gonna earn one and a half percent on it, right? CDs have gone up now. It might be three or four percent, but but still, if they could instead of getting the three or four percent, put it somewhere where they can get five plus percent, then yeah, and have and have some sort of tax advantage. Where obviously in a CD. Um, or something like that. I'm not getting that tax advantage. Correct. Okay, Rod, I just thought of another kind of tax issue that we need to kind of hit on. Okay. And it's specifically in conjunction with estate planning. But now that I think about it, before we do that, let's talk about, um, I jumped over one of the points, and that is this number three, which you, you wrote it out as lump sum going into the investment optimizer. Tell us what that means. Yeah. So sometimes we'll be meeting with someone and they'll say, I just sold my business. So I just sold a, a piece of property and I have, you know, millions sitting in my account. I'm going to go out and invest that money, but I like the investment optimizer concept. I'd like to talk about what to do there. As I mentioned a little bit ago in the investment optimizer, even at its shortest duration, three or four years is the funding time frame on that. Right? So 
we could set it up and say, hey, we're going to put in 500,000 a year for the next four years. That's two million. And, and that's great. But they might say, yeah, but I want to start using the money sooner than that. Right. So in this case, what we've done is we say, OK, well, let's maybe take half of it, a million of it, and we'll put in as a one time lump sum into an intentional mech. And then the other million will we'll fund 250 a year for the four years to get it in. In the more traditional sense, you get all those tax benefits. But now you have more money immediately available that you can then use for your investing. So, okay. So is this, Rod, is this a way around the 59 and a half rule? Is that what you just, just well, stressed me? It sounds like you're just telling me that you can put a bunch of money inside a mech, take a loan against it because that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. You're talking about using an echo, a line of credit to then access the money that was that's given to you as a mech. Yep. Yep. Because I mentioned a little bit ago, if I take a loan against my mech in the traditional sense from the insurance company, then it it's treated as it's taxable withdrawal. Whereas if I set it up as a line of credit with a, a third party bank and I access the money through that line of credit, then it's not treated the same way. I can access it in, in that way. So we're always careful to you know explain the difference with people, make sure that if you're going to access the funds, you're doing it through that third party bank line of credit. Um, we no longer have the option, like with the traditional investment optimizer, you can switch the loan back to the insurance company. In this case, no, we need to leave it with that third party bank. So there are some additional kind of like restrictions in comparison with the traditional investment optimizer. Again, trade-offs. But if the if the alternative is that it takes longer to get all of that money into it versus being able to get a larger lump sum in up front, then that those are the those are the trade-offs. And okay. oh sorry, keep going. And I just want to be really clear because there are a lot of people we meet with and they're like, well, I have extra money now. I have 200,000 now, but I want to put 100,000 a year in on a regular basis. In that scenario, we still will create a traditional investment optimizer policy where the funding range is 50 to 200,000. They put the 200 in the first year. And even if they're only going to put 100 a year in after that, that's fine. But it just makes more sense to include it in just a more traditional policy without splitting it the way I described it. It's when we have these enormous lump sums that's when we bring it in and and, think, and and consider the option of the intentional mech as part of the package. Yeah, I think I think in that world, Rod, I'm just hesitant because of the restrictions. So it's really got to sure. make sense. Um, yep. But there, again, in the right situation, there could be a place for doing. We don't want to make it sound like that's the that's like. It, let's just put it this way. Um, 95% of the time, like we're more likely to just use a traditional investment optimizer policy structured the way that we traditionally do it. Um, and that's generally going to be to the advantage of the person with some few exceptions. Okay. Um, I think we kind of got that point across well Sweet. enough. Um, okay, Rod, but can I just tell you before I move on that, mm -hmm. that you did make that sound extremely attractive. I was listening and I was like, I was like, Rod, why do I use regular life insurance when I could? Be okay. <laughs> Here's a question, Rod, um, and yeah. I don't know the answer to this. In a in that situation, let's say that I let's say that I purchased the Mac, I've got the line of credit against it. Can I increase the line of credit? Yeah, if, as, if it's grow, like if the policy as the policy grows, could I like adjust the line of credit to to create more of it? Yeah. So what I guess I'm trying trying to think through what are the things that would hold me back that would make it 
not as enticing to do that. The biggest one, obviously, is the restrictions, mm-hmm. right? Right. And the inability to just continually pump more money into it. So, so there's a trade-off. But I, anyway, could could you do that? Yes. Yep. Okay. On a on an annual basis, and, and especially because we're combining it with the more traditional investment optimizer, where they are continuing to put money into it each year, we're applying to increase the line of credit each year anyway. So we just oh, I see. combine that with the new statement from the MEC policy as well. And so that increase in the cash value would increase the line of credit as well. Okay. Okay. So it's okay that the money is basically stuck in the policy. It's growing and we have the ability to take out the majority of it via a, a line of credit. Correct. Very cool. Okay. That's an interesting one. Um, there's probably situations out there that, that can make sense. Okay. Number four, Rob, the final thing that we wanted to hit on was just as an estate planning play. And a mecca as an estate planning play, there was another factor that just kind of came to my mind that I that I wanted to hit on. And it was an additional layer of tax implications. So when we say an estate planning play, we're really just saying that if I've got extra cash, that uh, if I'm a healthy um, older person, I have extra cash and I have it sitting in places like CDs, annuities, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mo- and it's money that I probably won't use. Well, putting it into a mech could be a really great alternative because of all the reasons we're talking about. I get good growth. It's still liquid. So the, the availability, I don't lose access to it, mm-hmm. but, but Rod, I do get the advantage of having additional death benefit. Now we were, when we were comparing to an annuity and, and I think that I probably downplayed the value of the death benefit in comparison to the annuity. And then as I was thinking about it, um, I needed to adjust that. And the other reason this is important is because when a policy, when the policy values grow, mm-hmm. right? So let's just say, let's just take this again. I've got my annuity. I put my $100,000 into the annuity. I put my $100,000 into the mech. When the policy grows, when the mech grows, there's no taxable event that's happening there. When I take money out of it, or when I'm getting it specifically for a death benefit in a state planning situation, there's that additional tax benefit comes to me in the form of com- being completely tax-free as a death mm-hmm. benefit. Mm-hmm. Is that making sense what I'm Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to make sure that I that I highlighted the fact that the by using the MEC as an estate planning play, which again is just saying I've got extra cash, I'm going to let the death benefit come in and provide more to my family, to my heirs, to my estate than I would have been able to if I was just leaving the cash. Yeah, and that's one of those keys that we often get into with people uh, in that situation they feel like they're going to have enough money to, to you know, for the, the remainder of their lives and, and that this will go on to their kids. But the nice thing about having it on the mech is on the one hand, it's doing what you're saying. It's a larger amount that goes, goes to the kids and come tax free, but it still is liquid. It still is accessible if they needed it. So here's what I, here's what I was trying to say and may have struggled with when money is passed on in an annuity to the next generation, Those that next generation is going to have to pay taxes on the growth of it. Mm-hmm. It is not an automatic step up in basis like real estate or life insurance, right? So the difference ends up being not just the value, the underlying value, it ends up being any growth that happens and the tax implication that I would have had to pay because it's in an annuity. So if, if you're somebody that has non-qualified money and 
you're considering annuity versus a Mac for that person. Like you would have to have in my mind, significantly, significantly better growth inside the annuity mm -hmm. in order to have, in order to even think it would make sense to do that instead. Yep. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm all over the place. Okay. Rod, we cut, I think we covered everything. This, whew, this one's been intense. Yeah. <laughs> I came into this thinking this will just be a breeze. We'll talk about Macs for a few minutes, <laughs> but, uh, I guess when you talk about a mech rod, you have to like get into the weeds a little bit. So yeah. our apologies for getting into the weeds. Um, but we certainly appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Rod, do you want to finish with anything else? I, I think of it as the diamond in the rough. Ah, nice. Okay. Mech diamond in the rough. Thanks Rod. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the money insights podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.